Hi, this is Maria. Now, just to let you know, this is the second part of our interview with Professor Joyce Harper. It does make sense on its own, but I strongly suggest you go back to last week's show, where we talk about embryo testing, the importance of education, and why every woman's fertility journey is unique. Today's show is very much about what healthy fertility looks like. We also look at Professor Harper's five pillars to fertility and cold water swimming. Here's part two. We hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Roisin. And welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. This podcast is all about how improving your physical fitness can help support you on your very own fertility journey. I'm a personal trainer who specialises in training women with fertility problems. I myself have PCOS and have had two beautiful boys, and I'm on a mission to help you do the same. Before we get into it, we will be discussing adult themes such as where the babies come from, pregnancy loss and bereavement. We may also be sweary from time to time. We are optimistic, light-hearted girls, but we know this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners. We respect that. In this week's show, I am delighted to welcome Professor Harper onto the programme. Joyce Harper is an award-winning professor of reproductive science at the Institute for Women's Health, University College London. She is head of the Reproductive Science and Society Group and leads the International Women's Day events at the Institute. She has worked in the fields of fertility, genetics, reproductive health and women's health for over 30 years. She is passionate about education and discussion of all aspects of women's health, but especially at three key stages, the menstrual cycle, the fertile years and the menopause. Her latest book, Your Fertile Years, was published in 2021. She is founder of Reproductive Health at Work and the International Reproductive Health Education Collaboration and co-founder of the UK Fertility Education Initiative. She regularly appears in the press, on radio and TV. She is the mother of three sons born through IVF. Joyce is also a keen open water swimmer, a qualified aerobics instructor and an ambassador for This Girl Can. She is also host of her own fantastic podcast, Why Didn't Anyone Tell Me This? Professor Joyce Harper, welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. Good evening. What does healthy fertility look like and what can people do to be as healthy as they can be? Just say, what does it look like to be healthy? Through the work I've been doing, there's key stages in a woman's life when she might become more aware of her personal health. So that's one is when she's trying to get pregnant, especially if something goes wrong and she doesn't get pregnant. And the other is a huge amount of work we're doing on menopause. So during the perimenopause, if a woman's not healthy, she's really increasing her chances of having a a difficult journey through the perimenopause transition. and It makes me sad when I see or hear people who are trying to get pregnant say, oh, what do I need to do now? What do I I need to give up alcohol? I need to, you know, lose some weight. I need to do this. I need to start exercising because the exact same discussions come up around the perimenopause. And what I just wish people knew is the sooner we look after what many of us are calling our, our pillars of health, or I call them pillars of well-being then the better all of those stages will be. But even more importantly, our long-term health, so our risk of diseases such as cancer, diabetes, heart disease, Alzheimer's and dementia, 
all of those are really reduced if we look after our health as early as we can. Even going back to being a teenager, our menstrual health is really improved if we're looking after these pillars of well-being. So all through our reproductive life course and beyond into older age, looking after our health is so important. So we ideally should have looked after these even before we were trying to get pregnant. So yes, I see lots of people say, oh, I'm trying to get pregnant now. I'm going to take it on board. But we really need to be looking after our pillars, which are nutrition, which includes alcohol. And in my view, it includes things like smoking and vaping. We should just not do not do any of those. And we've got to eat, you know, good, healthy diet. There's no magic diet, except there is some data about the Mediterranean diet, that it really helps regulate your menstrual cycle, really helps with fertility, certainly helps with menopause, etc. Not too much meat, lots of vegetables. I mean, there's a whole thing now about all the vegetables you're supposed to eat, et cetera, et cetera. So we've got nutrition. Then we've got something I'm very passionate about, and this is exercise. I'm just in the middle now of doing a series, a mini series on my podcast about exercise. It's so important to our fertility. It's important to our menopause. It's important to our menstrual health. It's important for our long-term health for those chronic diseases I talked about in older age. So exercise, not over-exercise, not too much. For sure, if you do too much exercise, you can stop your periods and become totally infertile. We need to be moving and making sure we're healthy that way. The next one is sleep. And, you know, our nutrition and our exercise, both of those feed into sleep. We need to make sure that we're getting as much sleep as we can, giving that body time to repair. If we don't sleep, it's like torture and we really need to look after our sleep. The fourth one is our mental health. And again, the first three feed into that, just making sure we're not super stressed, we're not anxious, we're not depressed. I mean, we all will suffer those to some degree, but trying to make sure we're, we're really looking after ourselves. And in my book, I wrote a lot about those four. And actually, when I wrote that chapter, chapter three, at one point was more than all of the rest of the book put together, because it's just so important. I had to cut it all down. But it's so, so important to look after these pillars of well-being. But one that I missed off, which is becoming very, very discussed at the moment, and that is our social connections, making sure that we have uh, friendships, that we have hobbies, make sure our sort of general sense of purpose and well-being, all of that. I haven't seen anyone that's quite found a word that sort of encompasses that in a really inclusive way, but we need to really make sure that we have connections with other people, connections with other things. We're creative. And again, that's so good for our mental health. All of those five are very, very linked. Mm -hmm. So yes, when we're trying to get pregnant, we really need to take them on board and not just the woman, the man as well. It's very much, we left the men, I think in the dark with regarding to fertility for a long, long time. And we blamed everything on the woman, but we now know that a man's health not just helps uh, pregnancy, but also helps the long-term health of any children that they have. So if the parents are obese, if the man's obese, um, it leads to an increased risk of problems in the children that develop. And it also decreases his fertility. I mean, there's so many knock-on things. So it's important for both, for sure. 
I wanted to follow up actually on the, perhaps unsurprisingly, the kind of exercise and the, the BMI aspect, because as I know it's such a controversial area within the world of fertility. And I just wondered what your thoughts were around why a higher BMI, I prefer body fat as the measure, but why a higher BMI can be problematic for fertility and perhaps pregnancy later on. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, I mean, listen, I'm someone that's always been on the wrong side of my BMI. <laughs> I can remember being told I had to lose weight when I was trying to get pregnant. I wasn't aware how important this was and how much data there is that shows, as I said, for a man and a woman, if you're obese, you will absolutely take longer to get pregnant. You going through fertility treatment, you have a lower chance of of getting pregnant. That's why in the UK, they did have a BMI cutoff for fertility funding mm-hmm. from the NHS because the chance of getting pregnant if you are obese is just becomes lower and lower. The long-term health of the child, if the man or the woman is obese, then that will lead to issues there. It's really important. And, and the whole mechanism of that is really quite complicated. I won't really go into that, but we just have to, I'm a scientist, I believe the data and there is really strong data. We know the sperm not so healthy in an obese man, the eggs are not so healthy in an obese woman, the hormones will be, you know, trying to keep everything working in a body that's just too big and it's just not optimal for those hormones of our menstrual cycle when the woman is is obese. So, and not just your reproductive system, everything doesn't work so well, obviously, uh, in, an, in an obese person. So to be healthy, I absolutely, you know, I love the fact that we sort of embrace different body sizes and, you know, we've we've got larger models and, you know, we're we're really promoting this body positivity. I absolutely love it. And as I said, you know, I'm still overweight now. But it's not good for our health. And I know it's not good for my health. So I do worry a bit. I know this is going to be a bit controversial and some of your listeners might might get annoyed with this. But if you are obese, as I am at the moment, we are not healthy. I exercise every day. I do lots of things and I eat really healthily, but I do have a sugar addiction, which is my problem. We have to accept that if we are larger, we are not as healthy as someone who is not obese, not clinically obese. No, I appreciate your honesty. I think it's fantastic. And the main goal Roshan and I have is to bring a little bit of hope, but also some good quality, reliable information. And that's why we do the show. And it's fantastic to have someone who is so experienced um, telling us what they think. So I think this is fantastically helpful. Most of the women that I work with want to be as healthy as possible. And for a lot of them, that does involve just managing the BMI and it because they want to throw everything they've got at this next round of treatment. And like you said, it's the long-term health as well. I know that you do something that scares the living daylights out of me, <laughs> and this is cold water swimming. <laughs> and I wanted to just, uh, we've had some discussions about cold water swimming on the pod, and uh, I just wondered what your thoughts were on cold water swimming and fertility. Well, you might not know that I am part of a research group that is looking at reproductive health and cold water swimming. I did not know this. It's a real, real pleasure because, <laughs> because before, before I started cold water swimming, there was two people who I, who sort of became my gurus, which were Mike Tipton and Heather Massey. And now I'm working with them and I absolutely am feeling so privileged 
they are two of the world leaders in cold water swimming. They are experts in extreme sports and they they are the people that just know everything. One of our collaborators, Jill Shaw, one, the wonderful Jill Shaw, amazing woman, she got us all together because she does a lot of work with pregnancy and she was aware, she's a swimmer, we're all swimmers, but she was aware that a lot of women who are pregnant are asking is this safe? What am I going to do? So what What the first project we did was actually to l- dig out every single research study that's been done. Well, actually, there are not many on cold water swimming and pregnancy, but also swimming and pregnancy and also cold water swimming. And then we we have a paper that's almost finished. We just wanted to say what we do know. And as scientists, we often have to put our hands up and say, we just don't know. So with regards to fertility and with regards to pregnancy as well, what we'd say about all exercise is just keep doing what you normally do. So if you're, you know, running the marathon, you could probably still run a marathon. Uh, If you're cold water swimming and you've done it for years and your body, because with cold water swimming, your body adapts and um, we don't know how long they adapt for. It's amazing. There's not that much research out there about some of these questions. But if your body is already adapted, then to keep going is absolutely fine. So the women that do cold water swim throughout their pregnancy and even, and we did have the, the question about going through IVF, you know, what would we say? If you've always been doing it, as far as we're aware, you know, your body's adapted, you should be okay. But yeah, don't start something new. But that's an extreme sport like cold water swimming when you're you know trying to get pregnant. It's best to try and you know keep safe. You know, they're, they're, unfortunately, the big the biggest problem is pollution. So that's what we have to worry about. So if you're, you know, if trying to get pregnant, if you're pregnant and you're you end up end up swimming in a polluted water, you know, you, you that's not good. So we have to be careful about that. But with with any of the exercise. There is certainly a level where you could do too much, but things like swimming, it's very hard to do too much swimming. (laughs) Don't try and swim the channel if you're trying to get pregnant. My wonderful, wonderful friend, if you haven't heard of her already, Jessica Hepburn, she had uh, 11 rounds of failed IVF and she did swim the channel, but she swam the channel after she stopped treatment because she was so frustrated that she felt her body had failed her as a woman. Her body didn't do the one thing a woman's body should do, which is have a baby. She challenged her body to an extreme and she then swam the channel and wrote a wonderful book called 21 Miles. And um, she talks about her struggles with trying to get pregnant and motherhood and, and where that's led her. With exercise, every woman's individual again you know, if you're Paula Radcliffe, it'd be one thing you know, she ran when she was pregnant. But we're all individuals. So we can't say any rules around this except, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't do anything. Don't start anything extreme when you're trying to get pregnant. That that would be my advice. But it's that's not an evidence base. We haven't got a lot of data on this, unfortunately. 
Love that advice. Um, Jessica, we love, we're lucky enough to have her on the show, actually, which was amazing. And talking us through her IVF and all these amazing athletic you know, feats that she went on to do, which was a really, really, really incredible. Um, and then I think we bumped into her at the, um, the fertility show in London as well. So it was really nice to actually see, see her face to face rather than just uh, on Zoom. So she's very impressive woman. Joyce, I could speak to you forever and I feel like we have covered a lot. So thank you so much for your time. If people are interested in finding out more about you and your information and advice, where would be the best place to find you? I've got a website at www.joyceharper.com, all one word, joyceharper.com. And on social media, I'm at Prof Joyce Harper. It's the same on all platforms. And I normally put very similar things on each platform. So you only really need to follow me on one of them. So yeah, welcome to get people's views. And and my podcast is on all podcast channels. Just search my name and, and it will come up. And I also have a YouTube channel. It's Joyce Harper again. So they can find me on there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. It has been a real joy speaking to you. And um, thank you for giving us your time. Thanks very much. Do you know what I like most about Professor Joyce's four slash five pillars? No. What is it? She was so clear. Mm. And when it comes to fitness or fertility, or in our case, fitness fertility, things can be woolly. Sometimes the direction of travel is a bit of a guessing game. Certain clinicians will say, Certain things will help and certain things won't. You get on the socials and you're completely confused after about 15 to 20 minutes of research. You can go to the blue papers and they're going to confuse the life out of you. Uh, And then you could go to your GP and they may say something completely different. The whole industry is awash with confusion, sometimes contradiction. And when it came to the four pillars, she was so clear. These things will improve your fertility health. Yep, completely agree. And also just her directness, but her directness comes with years and years of experience and actually knowing exactly what she's talking about. So she can be direct. I do pay attention to a lot of the information she posts on socials. And if she doesn't agree with a new development in technology, if she doesn't agree with a particular AI feature that's supposed to help you with fertility, she will absolutely call it out. But it's always because it's always based on research and experience. And what I loved about her pillars were, in many ways, these things are not overly complicated. Now, that doesn't mean that they're easy necessarily, but we can all get our head around what she's trying to say. And of course, sleep, we're going back to sleep. That's a massive one. And, you know, we talk about that a lot. Uh, the mental health side of things is so important. But I just love how direct and in some ways how simple these ideas are. It's just getting into the routine and implementing them. I think that's the thing that a lot of people need to work on. And also she didn't rail against it, which I think I may have, because when she had to go through her own IVF journey, she was asked to lose weight. Mm. And oftentimes I think we can be resentful of people telling us what to do with our own bodies and that even if it's in our own interest. Mm -hmm. And she didn't seem to have a push against that. She accepted this is what is part of the journey. She also accepted that she, you know, has a card carrying sugar addiction, which is also (laughs) really refreshing because clinicians, they don't understand the emotional side of eating where Professor Joyce Harper understands both sides. 
And that's the thing. She can do it because she knows she's a clinician by training. She's a PhD and she's lived the experience. And one of the things I really enjoy about this episode is there are a number of takeaways for our listeners as well. So there are a lot of practical things that can be actioned again in the knowledge that, you know, Joyce, Professor Harper, she knows what she's talking about. So even if you come away from this particular episode thinking, right, okay, the one thing that I'm going to start working on in 2024 is going to be my sleep. And spoiler alert, this is absolutely one of the key things I'm going to be focusing on a lot in 2024. So stay tuned for a lot more information on this. But even if you just take one of her pillars, and these things do make a difference. And actually, I was chatting to um, one of my clients uh, last night. We had a group coaching call, which was amazing, um, super helpful. And at the end, I was chatting to one of the women and she was saying the key thing that has made a difference to her is sleep. And she was saying there's even research that says, you know, sleep can improve your egg quality. And yeah, this is stuff we've looked at before. So loads of takeaways. And I really hope people do implement some of the ideas, but just keep it simple. Mm. The other thing that I thought was really remarkable about what she said was this aspect of community that was certainly not something that we equated with health, but now we do. And it's only recently I read a study, you know, when they're talking about blue zone countries, those countries that have people that regularly live into their 80s, 90s and hundreds. And they were looking for those social and physical and cultural cues, trying to work out what's the secret sauce for living so long. And they've done a heck of a lot of research and having community is right at the top of the tree. Mm. It's your people, isn't it? It's your people. Community is key. And it genuinely does make such a difference. And reaching out to people, having people understand you, I think not having to explain yourself all the time, which is just truly exhausting. And with a community, it's it's having the safe space to feel all the emotions and not feel judged and to not have the shame that so often goes with fertility. And a lot of the people that you meet on the fertility journey, you know, we always say it's, you know, it's a journey no one wants to go on. But some of the people that you meet on this journey, they will be your friends forever because you have a bond that is different to other types of relationships with people. And you will meet some incredible people along the way, but they're your people and you need to keep hold of them. And talking about amazing women, Maria, who will we be speaking to next week? Next week is the start of something pretty special because I am going to be having a conversation with one of my clients, Helena. She is um, going to come on the show and tell us all about her own fertility journey, where she's at now, and the kind of advice and tips that helped her along the way. And spoiler alert, she has been successful in her journey to date, and she's just going to bring us a little bit of hope. So make sure you tune in next week. It's going to be awesome. And I cannot wait to share her story with you all. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week. And please rate, comment and really importantly share with your friends, especially our trying to conceive sisters. You never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help. This may come as a surprise, but we are not doctors. We strongly recommend you consult with your doctor before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. Get everything checked out first. Your safety is our priority. This has been a Worth a Listen production. <laughs>